0: Hello everybody and welcome back to Locked on Flames. I'm your host Jess Belmosto and thank you for tuning in. Uh, We have a really fun episode ahead of us today as I sit down and talk with Tori Peterson of the Flames social media team and you know we've got some fun questions for her. I think you guys will really like that and of course we are continuing to our trip down memory lane as we look back at the 1988 89 season playoff run, where of course the Flames go on to win the Stanley Cup, but before we, you know, can really ex- uh, <laughs> celebrate and get excited about that big win. And, uh, you know, bringing the cup home for the first and only time. We gotta take a look back at the divisional round and, you know, go through the conference finals and all that jazz. And um, I'm looking forward to sharing my interview with Tori. I think it's super cool that um, she does what she does. It's a lot more goes into running social media than people realize. And it takes a certain kind of person, like you have to be cut out for it. And I know like, oh, it can't be that hard crafting tweets. But it's not just about crafting tweets. It's about appealing to a certain fan base and creating engagement and things like that. So I can't wait for you all to hear that interview. But before we jump into things, I did want to mention that we are scaling back to three episodes a week, just for the time being, and of course, um, for the off-season, whenever that happens, but just for the pause, um, and we'll talk about talk about that in this episode, too, but um, I'm really, really excited. And I know I say this all the time, but this podcast has just kind of given me purpose and Tell your friends about the show. Share this with as many hockey fans as you can, because we will be taking a look around the league some more, and we will, you know, we won't just be covering like specifically the Flames, if that makes sense. Like we're gonna we're gonna take a look around the league some days, but uh, you can find the show on your favorite podcast streaming networks. So obviously. Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google, uh, Stitcher, Pocket Pod, I believe it's called. Um, Yeah, so before we jump into our interview with Tori, I would like to take a quick break and pass it over to our sponsors for a second. Alrighty, so thank you all for tuning into this interview. I'm joined with Tori of the Calgary Flames uh, social media team. How are you? I'm great. How are you? I'm doing well. So uh, to start, could you tell us a little bit about your job and how you got there? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I've been with the
1: Flames, I believe this is season 13. Um, uh, God, that makes me sound really old when you say that. Uh, It's my only real adult job is how I I often phrase it. Um, I was uh, a journalism student at a school in Calgary. Got a two-week practicum, and then at that point, it was just me and another gentleman who was working on the website. And there was no social media at that point. Um, And shortly thereafter, the practicum ended. uh, We realized there's a lot of work to be done, so I was hired on as a contractor, full-time while going to school. um, Finished that degree, and then got a communications degree at the University of Calgary, Uh, and then. From that point, I was done my post-secondary, so they just made me a full-time employee instead of a contractor, and I have been there ever since. So it's been um, a really unique job because I've seen it from the standpoint of when there was only a website with very, very, very limited content on it. Uh, (laughs) It looked like Um, Do you remember the the GeoCities websites that kids used to build in the late 90s? That's kind of what it felt like we were doing when I started. Uh, It was just a really rudimentary system, and it's really grown out. Um, The NHL has put a ton of resources into their digital and social media over the years, and um, you're seeing teams produce some really incredible content, um, and that's um, because of the emphasis the league has put on it, and it's great to see teams and organizations really embrace that. So I've been able to see my role grow and expand and evolve in such unique ways that I don't think a lot of people get to in their professions. So I'm really, really fortunate.
0: That's really cool. And I think like, just to kind of reiterate what you said, just building this and kind of seeing it go from the bare minimum to something that, I mean, I think a lot of teams should follow in the flames footsteps when it comes to their social media game, because it's not just um it's not all business there's fun in there
1: you out uh, yeah and there there's always going to be a component of business um i think in any kind of sports accounts it's very rare to see a sport account that doesn't have the business side involved in it in some way, shape, or form, mm-hmm. um, but you need to make sure that your audience is getting compelling content on a regular basis, or else they're just not going to tune in, right? So you need to be able to strike a balance, and that's different with every organization. Um, everyone has different goals and, and ROIs and um, benchmarks that they're trying to achieve, but at the same time, your main goal, everyone's main goal, is to keep their audience happy and engaged, And that's a primary driver for every single team account and the league as a whole.
0: Of course. Yeah. I mean, I think personally I'm a Bruins fan and I just (laughs) like have seen the difference from just like how they run their account compared to, you know, how Vegas runs their account and how the flames do. And I think it's just really, you got to make it your own in some way, but it's, And it takes a certain person to be able to do what you do. And it's a lot more than just crafting a tweet and sending it out.
1: (laughs) It is. it's It's a fairly expansive job that covers a lot of different components. And I think when you work in social media in any shape or form, but especially in sports, you become qualified to do a lot of different things outside of just social media because of how expansive of an industry it is and what you're doing. So for instance, a lot of us, yeah, you're managing social accounts, but you're also involved in all of the video production, um, editorial work. Um, oftentimes, a lot of people are involved in the actual graphic creation. Um and they, that's part of their job is to create the content that they're putting up, um, like the graphics and the stats and stuff like that. So it's you're also working with marketing. You're working with PR. You're working with hockey ops. You're working with um, our sponsorship team, our partnership team. You're working with the players themselves because a lot of times you do need to work with them um, if they want to create an account or they want an account verified or they want help expanding their reach. Um, that's part of the job. So it's a really unique position that I think, gives you a very unique skill set that not a lot of other roles would in no matter what industry you work in. Um, But it gives you an opportunity to get a taste of the other sides of the business uh, while still being immersed in social.
0: That's a very good way to put it. Um, What's been one of your favorite projects or some of the best projects you've been a part of in your career and this season?
1: Oh my career! Um, the Heritage Classic games were really cool. Um, so we, I was there for the first one that we did, which was in Calgary. Um, it was freezing. I, I do. It was. It was years ago. I think it was to twenty eleven. Um, so I, I just remember it being absolutely freezing and the fans being insane. No matter how cold it was, like they were so jacked up. Um, I'm trying to think. It was definitely minus 25 Celsius. So I think it's like around minus 12, minus 13 Fahrenheit. Oh my God. if my crazy. conversion's correct. So it's it was freezing, but everyone was so pumped. And the Flames did win that game. It was a shutout. It was the first shutout in an outdoor game, which was really cool Ooh. to witness. Um and then we had the the one this year in Regina, which again was such a unique situation to play a professional hockey game in Regina in a stadium that big, and they have a brand new football stadium there. So it was really cool to see that venue and just how incredibly built it is. Uh, Riders fans uh, are definitely very lucky that they get to experience football games there because it's a very cool stadium. Um, And, yeah, we did end up losing that game. I believe in overtime. I don't think it was, yeah, it was overtime. It wasn't a shootout. We got a point out of it. I know that. <laughs> um, it feels like decades ago now, given the situation we're in, yeah. but uh, it was cool to see. And there was so many Flames fans that uh, came out for that. And, and we were able to get really unique access, which is uh, you don't normally get for an outdoor game. So we were really happy with that. Um, I think our coverage of drafts has been really unique. Mm-hmm. Um, And I'm really proud of that from a a content standpoint, what we've been able to do at the draft and with our prospects. Um, This season, it's just been, it's been such a wild ride. I don't even, honestly, it feels like three seasons in one. Like it doesn't like feel, preseason feels like three years ago to me. Mm -hmm. Um, Right now we're trying to build out content without having games or, or being close to players. We are really lucky. We have a lot of access to our players um and they're all really great to work with and they've been more than accommodating with like, hey, can we set up a Zoom chat for this, this, and this, or hey, I need this, this, and this from you, and like we get it immediately. So we're very lucky in that regard. But it's definitely a new challenge to create content with nothing going on and with zero certainty as to what is happening in the world. It's a really unique time, and I, I think for the most part, like and I'm speaking now for probably a lot of my colleagues across the league, We've, I think we've been able to really take this on um, as an opportunity rather than a challenge. Mm-hmm. Um, we've been able to spin it and go, like, look what we can do now, and there's yeah. some really unique angles we can take, and there's some really unique stuff we can do. Um, we're still very much in, in planning stages. We've been able to execute quite a bit thus far, but we have quite a few bigger projects that we're currently working on and planning out and fleshing out, which I'm really looking forward to. Um so we're using this as an opportunity to do something that we normally wouldn't be able to do because uh the regular season and playoffs are such a grind. Um we may have access to guys and people to do different pieces of content, but the resources um going into building those uh and the production um oftentimes it's just not feasible because people do need to sleep at some point and have a day off here and there. So this is a this is a cool time for us to be able to get some unique angles and content that we normally wouldn't be able to do and deliver it in a different way, because you have to be creative now. You it's you can't just operate in your standard mode. Um, you really have to think outside the box and how you want to be able to deliver this content and um, be able to distribute it and and produce it. So um, I'm I know I'm speaking for a lot of people in the league, but I think it's a cool challenge. And instead of feeling a little bit downtrodden about it um, and getting burdened by it, I think you can flip that on its face and go like, this is a really cool time to build out some cool stuff.
0: Definitely. I mean, I know just as like a podcaster, like I've had to kind of finagle and get creative with my work, but I think for people who are doing it on a larger scale, like you do, it, it gives you an opportunity to, like you said, think outside the box, but also test the waters and see what you could use in the future and get a little more creative than usual. Absolutely. And a lot of the stuff
1: you're doing now is like purely, it's like a beta test, but it's live Mm -hmm. because it's like, I don't know how this is going to go over. It could be terrible and get nothing going behind it, or we'll see like a spark with people. And that's something you can build off once the, once the season starts up again or playoffs or however it may be. Um, We're able to, kind of test the waters in a safe way um, where everyone's testing new things. Everyone's mm-hmm. trying to figure out where they fit in this landscape and what their audience wants, because everyone's audience is different. Um, like for instance, we, we had plans to start our TikTok account a while ago. We had some technical issues with the actual account and thankfully oh. TikTok has been awesome. Um, we were like, we couldn't follow people was the issue. Oh. We figured it out. TikTok themselves were awesome. Got the account fixed um, and we launched that and, and, it's unique when you don't have, I, I can't just go and film a guy doing something. You can't do that. So either I have to request it or we have to build out content or we have to work with different people. We're going to have Harvey involved uh, very shortly, uh, but it's just how, like what kind of fits in that platform, like what works right. there. And we have kind of, it's, it's unique to have not free reign per se, but to feel a lack of judgment in that regard where you go, okay, well, if this didn't hit, well, this video hit or this hit or this hit, um, this didn't, this didn't work. So we won't do that again. And you don't feel badly about the things that maybe didn't go over the way you thought they would. Mm -hmm. Um, and you're able to see that in a way that maybe you wouldn't see when the season's going in, you put a lot more pressure on yourself. Um, and you don't feel like you have that ability to test things and test the waters. So again, it's just another angle that you can take, To this entire worldwide situation is that like you can tinker with things and experiment and see what hits and what doesn't and I think it's going to be a great springboard for when hockey does get going again.
0: Absolutely. Thank you so much for joining me today and I hope that everybody up there including yourself is taking care of yourself and staying safe. Um, is there anything you want to say before we close this off? No,
1: I, I just think if I, I always say like my, I keep my DMS on Twitter open, um, and same with my Instagram account. So if people have content ideas, we'll definitely, I may take a while to get back to you. Um, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm notorious for reading it and going, that's an awesome idea. And then forgetting to reply back to someone. I'm, that's a hundred percent something I need to work on during this little quarantine time. Uh, but I love getting suggestions from fans because that's who we're building stuff for. Mm-hmm. And that's who we want to hear from. That's our audience. We'd love to hear what you want more of. Sometimes we can't facilitate it or maybe we can't facilitate it at the time, but we're definitely always listening and building off lists from people that we know love the brand, love the team, love the players, and we want to be able to create content for them. So if you have suggestions, um I'm always open to hearing them and and I love hearing them. I think they're great. We've built some great content off of little pieces of information we've got from fans on stuff that they enjoy. So um always feel free to shoot it my way. Uh, we're always we want to listen. So definitely send those in.
0: Thank you so much for tuning in and I will make sure to link your social media The show notes. So, thank you very much. Thank you for having me. It was great. Of course, nice seeing you or (laughs) talking to you. I hope that everybody enjoyed that interview with Tori. I think that she did a wonderful job explaining the logistics of her job and just how much actually goes into social media and really the whole, the big picture, the stuff that we're consuming right now because we have nothing else to do. Um, Personally, I'm excited for the TikToks and the future of those um, big projects that she mentioned. But before we jump into our next topic of Of course, the Stanley Cup playoff run of the 1988 and 89 season. I would just like to take a moment and hear from our sponsors. So today, I figured we would talk about the actual playoff run rather than going through the season and talking about, you know, It was a good season. It was a fantastic season. Of course it was. But the playoffs, we got got to talk about the playoffs. So in the uh, first round, the Flames met the Canucks, who finished a whopping 43. Yes, you heard that correctly. 43 points behind Calgary. Obviously, on paper, it looked like the Flames were going to blow Vancouver out of the water. A cute little four-game sweep wash our hands of you, on to the next round. And that kind of reminds me of the Tampa Bay and Columbus Blue Jacket um, first-round matchup last year and just how overconfident a team can be and just how, you know, not mentally prepared and just the underestimating of your opponent. So game one would be an eye-opener for the Flames, as the Canucks, won 4-3 in overtime. I probably shocked fans to see that the series needed seven games. Um, obviously, I wasn't born. Um, I, I don't know anybody that was a Calgary Flames fan during that time, so I can't uh, <laughs> you know reach out to them and see what they thought, how they felt. But this part, I did not know, and it... gave me a severe anxiety, excuse me. Um, Game seven needed overtime, and personally, I love overtime and game sevens. When my team is not involved, we stay far away from overtime and any game sevens as we possibly can. Um, But thankfully, Joel Otto became a Calgary hero and scored, uh, allowing the Flames to advance to the next round where they would meet the lovely LA Kings and Wayne Gretzky in the Smythe divisional round. Uh, There was obviously a little more apprehension because the Kings had put out the flame of the Stanley cup dreams for Calgary before, and it would take all but four games for Calgary to dethrone the Kings, move on to the Campbell conference final. Uh, This next round is where they would meet with the lovely, lovely Chicago Blackhawks. Uh, It was a five-game series where the Blackhawks were outscored 18-8. to And I think that's really all you need to know there. Uh, You know, I don't know. That just seems a little, uh, we'll just leave it at that. But the Stanley Cup Finals would be a rematch. Of the 1986 Stanley Cup final as well. And uh, where the Flames would go on to meet the ever so lovely and classy Montreal Canadiens. I live about 45 minutes from Montreal currently. And as a Bruins fan, I cannot tell you how frustrating it is constantly seeing like the Habs logo, and just, like, I have to take a deep breath and remind myself that this is not Twitter. I cannot start beef with a grown man for supporting his team, but, uh, anyways, I digress. I am sure this had Flames fans' stomach in knots as the previous result was not in their favor. Uh, the Flames would go on to win the series, obviously. Otherwise, we would not be talking about it. Uh, they are, excuse me, holy cannoli. They are the only visiting team to win the Stanley Cup in the Montreal Forum. And the Habs did take a 2-1 series lead at one point, which, again, I'm sure had fans on the edge of their seat. You know, you don't like falling behind in a series. It's just not ideal And all of these games were decided by um, at least a two-goal margin. And I just can't help but think of, I believe it was game six against the Blues where the Bruins, you know, kind of scored like they puked all over the field or the (laughs) ice rather and just dunked on the Blues with like seven goals or whatever it was. But I'm sure that, uh, you know, and kept fans watching and hockey fans across the <laughs> across the country and uh, across the league entertained um but it was Doug Gilmore who scored the cup clinching goal on a power play in the third period defenseman defenseman Al McInnes was awarded the Conn Smythe trophy and um you know obviously that serves and names you The playoff MVP, Uh, McInnes, led all skaters in playoff scoring with 31 points. That's a lot of points. (laughs) Um, Considering, you know, they weren't all seven-game series. And, uh, you know, so you had nine. So you had um, seven plus nine, which is 16, plus seven. I can't do mental math. (laughs) I had this struggle yesterday, so excuse me while I pull up my calculator. Um, this is really embarrassing. 23 games. Holy smokes, that's embarrassing. I couldn't do it in my head. But, uh, yes, 23 games. So, 31 points in 23 games. Incredible. And, unfortunately, the Flames have not been able to uh, bring back a cup to Calgary. Since 1989, since 1989, so they've got some they've got some work to do. But like always, thank you so much for tuning into today's episode, and I hope you all are having as much as a lovely quarantine as one could possibly have. So thank you all, and make sure you follow Locked On Flames, the host podcast. And, oh my god, the host Twitter, and of course. Tori's uh, social media as well, which will be linked in the description. Thank you all so much. And I'll catch you on Friday.